Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm Angela Donatio, and each week I share compelling conversations with leading voices. They encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together we'll make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Embedded in Evangel University, AGTS is a leading Pentecostal seminary that specializes in personalizing the deep spiritual truths found in the Word of God and applying them to practical ministry. AGTS is committed to making their programs as accessible and affordable as possible. So they've dropped tuition costs by more than 50% for all master's programs from $565 to now $250 per credit hour. And as a student in their Masters of Leadership and Ministry program, I can confidently say that God is using the resources that I'm receiving at AGTS to work in and through my work for the kingdom of God. So if God is calling you to take your ministry to the next level, visit agts.edu to learn how the experienced scholars at AGTS can equip and empower you for your Christ-centered service. While many women celebrate a new pregnancy, posting monthly pictures of their baby bump on social media and scouring Pinterest for the perfect nursery setup, for those who have lost a baby through miscarriage or stillbirth, a subsequent pregnancy can be a time filled with anxiety, fear, and doubt. Today on the podcast, Jenny Albers shares her story of not only experiencing one pregnancy loss, but two. She shares candidly about the struggles women face and helps us know how to navigate friends and family who mean well, but don't understand how to celebrate a new pregnancy or experience joy, even while grieving a loss and trust that joy will come in the morning, even if so Jenny, welcome to the make life matter podcast. I'm so honored to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. I loved reading your story of courageously expecting share a little bit about the book first. And then I would just love for you to just invite us into your story. Yeah. So courageously expecting, um, is pretty specific to the experience of pregnancy after loss. So of course I'm touching on my experiences with pregnancy loss. Um, and then that moves into how difficult it is when we become pregnant again after loss. And so I like to call courageously expecting a memoir meets devotional, um, because it's, it's very much my story, um, with themes that I think many women feel, um, you know, after speaking with so many women and hearing so many stories, um, of their pregnancy loss experience and their pregnancy after loss experience. Um, I think my story resonates very well with anyone who has, um, been through that, but then also there's the devotional aspect to it. Um, and kind of, you know, what does God say, or how can we trust in God, um, as well as the prayer aspect. So, um, that's my book in a nutshell, memoir meets devotional, um, to meet women who are pregnant after loss with empathy and encouragement. I love it. And it does that so beautifully, Jenny. I have had a copy of it. I've loved it. I struggled with endometriosis and spent many years trying to get pregnant. And my husband, and I pastoring have, you know, counseled and loved many women and spouses through loss. And so it is such a needed resource and it's such a beautiful balance, Jenny, of like you said, your story, but also 
um, just heavy doses of encouragement and biblical truth that we can hang on to that we desperately need in times of grief and loss. And if you're listening and you feel like, well, I'm going to go ahead and just tune out because I haven't been through this. We've all experienced some form of loss, especially after COVID loss of employment, loss of our normal, um, so many different things that we can experience and, and maybe struggling to find joy, regain joy, or even to embrace celebration. So there's so many things that we're going to talk about here in this, in this conversation today. So Jenny, just share some of your story that you do bring us into so beautifully and courageously expecting. Sure. Can I just backtrack on one thing that you said, Um, just about for those of you who are listening and maybe think that this doesn't apply to you. I always like to say that we all know someone who has had a pregnancy loss, whether we're aware of that or not. And so I really think these conversations can apply to anyone um, because we're all going to come into contact with friends or family or someone at church um, who is dealing with this. Absolutely. Um, And so it's helpful for us to kind of, if we haven't experienced it, to kind of know how to um, speak to those people or sit with them in their pain. Oh, that's, that's such great insight. If you're listening to your leader, I mean, what a, what a wonderful resource just to have. I would buy a few copies of it and that you just have it on hand. And I know a lot of women, Jenny, who are trying to get pregnant. And so just the loss of, of disappointment every month. And yes. And I think so with infertility too. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I haven't experienced infertility necessarily, but that's a different, you know, maybe a different kind of grief or a different experience with grief, but yeah, you're definitely grieving a pregnancy, you know, that you thought you would have, or that yeah. you would, it would be easy to get pregnant or you would have a child by now. And who knew that it would be such a struggle. So I think yeah. you're also grieving with infertility, the pregnancy experience that you expected that you thought you would have. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Walk us us through some of your story. I've, I know it, but I know how just uh, meaningful and impactful it is for so many people to hear. Sure. So yeah, I have been pregnant four times. My first pregnancy was textbook. Um, I had my daughter, we had no problems. It was an easy pregnancy. Um, and I just kind of assumed that that's how it was going to go for us. Um, you know, I had a plan. I talk about it in the book. I wanted three kids, three years apart. I thought that that's what was going to happen. Um, because we didn't struggle to get pregnant with my daughter. Mm. Um, so she was born in 2011 and then two and a half years later, um, we decided we were ready to try again and we wanted to expand our family. Um, and I had an early loss. So my second pregnancy ended, um, very early on in the first trimester with an ectopic pregnancy. Mm, um, okay. and I was, I, that was, I, I think the hardest part about that was, of course, I was grieving that baby in that pregnancy and things kind of not going my way, but also, um, right around that time within days of finding out that we had lost that baby. Um, I had a close friend announce her pregnancy and I had, um, a family member announce her pregnancy, which these were good things. Um, but it was hard because we would have all been due around the same time. And so it is hard to kind of walk through, um, pregnancies with those that you love when you've lost a pregnancy and when you were kind of supposed to be on the same timeline. Um, so that was difficult. Um, and let's see that. Can I ask you, Jenny, like what emotions did you not besides the, the understandable grief and loss, was it hard for you to celebrate with them or what helped you to kind of 
I don't want to say put your own pain aside, but what helped you to grieve and also be able to celebrate for them? Because I know yeah. that can be really hard when you feel like someone else has experienced something that you've longed for and you're not having that same experience. Yeah. Um, so I would say I haven't gotten to my second loss experience, but that first one, I think I did a better job of okay. being able to celebrate. Um, okay. So, I mean, these were people that I loved. These were, you know, one of them, this was going to be her first baby. Um, the other one was going to be my niece or nephew. You know, I didn't yeah. know at the time. Um, and I think I, I don't want to make light of anyone's experience or um, make light of, well, it happened early on because that is not how I felt. Um, but with having another experience of where I lost a pregnancy later in that pregnancy, um, I think losing my baby earlier did help me to be able to go to, like, I went to my friend's baby shower. Um, and I, I did feel like I was able to celebrate. I, I can't say it was painful. Um, I think, you know, I probably just shut some of those feelings down. Um, you know, I remember being at my friend's baby shower who, you know, my due date was around the same time as hers. And someone asked me, you know, when are you going to have another baby? It's about time, you know, because my daughter was three and a half. And I think there is kind of this expectation of, you know, we have babies every two or three years, you know, when we're in that season of life. And so, you know, that was painful, but I, I think I just had to kind of be shut down um, from the feelings and kind Mm of, I didn't feel like I necessarily had to force myself to be happy for her. I was, um, Later on in my journey, though, I can't honestly say that I was happy. I think, um, so I'll I'll skip ahead a little bit. So um, we lost. So you had your daughter, then you had a second pregnancy that was an ectopic pregnancy. Yes. Then you got pregnant again, not too long after that, right? Yeah, it was, well, it was about nine months later. And so then it was almost exactly one year um, after my ectopic pregnancy that I had a 20 week loss. Um, and so those, both of those pregnancies, um, ended in January, just one year apart. And so when I talk about kind of how, how I was able to celebrate for other people, I feel like early on in my loss journey, I was able to, um, after that second loss though, that hit me much harder. And I think probably for multiple reasons, um, you know, one, I had already had a loss. So this was like compounded grief, um, two losses in a row. Um, I had had my plan for my children to be however many years apart. And, you know, you you get that idea in your head and then it just gets further and further off track. And I felt like I was getting older and, you know, does two losses mean that that's just it for me and that we won't be able to have more kids. Um, And then also, you know, going through a pregnancy and getting to the halfway mark, kind of where you feel like you really are supposed to be safe and then realizing, Mm -hmm. nope, that's, that's not always reality either. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely struggled more the second time just with deep grief and with um, being able to be happy for other people. Um, You know, many of my friends were still having babies, you know, I mean, I was still very much in this season of friends and family and people who are around my age were still growing their families. Um, And that was really hard to watch. And I think um, also, 
I had my daughter. And so I, I think it can be difficult, um, on so many different levels, just because our experiences are always different and maybe you have kids or maybe you don't have kids, or maybe this was your first pregnancy or your fifth, you know, there's so many different variables, but it was hard for me because I felt like people brushed off my losses because I had a daughter. Um, and you know, at least you have one kid or, um, you know, at least you have her to keep you busy and to keep your mind off things, which isn't really how it worked. And so both of my experiences, I felt devastated. I mean, they were just both deeply, um, grief filled and dark. But after my second one, I mean, I, I think I just felt things much more deeply and I felt that grief and sorrow on a deeper level for all the reasons that I just talked about. Um, and so, yeah, we, we waited, I guess, probably about nine months. Um, not great at math to try again, but in that time period, um, between our second loss and when we decided to try again was lots of conversations and also just lots of silence and, you know, not talking about it and just kind of sitting my husband and I Mm -hmm. with where we're at with things and with our thoughts and feelings and where do we go from here? Um, and trying to decide, are we, are we going to stop trying and accept that this is our family and, and be happy with that? Let me ask you what, thank you so much, Jenny, for sharing. And, and I know already that is just helps some people to just kind of hear what is a normal and understandable reaction to deep, devastating loss and grief. What, if anything shifted for you about your relationship with God, not only while you're going through this dark season, but maybe even in the months in a couple of years following that walk us through kind of the trajectory of, of how this affected the way you even viewed God. Yeah. Well, first, um, for a long time, I felt very much like, or at least I wondered Mm. very much if God was punishing me to me, it felt like a punishment. Um, I remember a friend asking me if I was angry with God And I didn't necessarily feel like I was, but I told her that I felt like he must be angry with me. Are you there? I just lost. Oh, oh, am I? Okay. Okay. There you are. Yes. Sorry. Okay. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I want to hear everything. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Where was I? Um, So I very much felt like God must be angry with me and that I had had these losses because of some failure on my part, um, which that's a really heavy place to be, Um, you know, and to be carrying this guilt that, you know, I mean, I've never been a perfect mother. And so I could have come up with all kinds of reasons as to what God was punishing me for or how I had failed in my motherhood journey already. And so I think um, kind of getting over that hump was maybe the hardest part for me. Um, I mean, of course I, you know, I was angry. I didn't understand. I was constantly asking why and why me. Um, And especially the second time, why would you allow me to carry this baby for 20 weeks and then take it? Or why, you know, why does my friend have four children and can get pregnant, you know, without even trying and I've had these losses. And so it was just lots of unanswered questions and trying to kind of find peace, I suppose, with those unanswered questions. 
now, um, you know, as I kind of moved through that, I could kind of come up with some of the lies that maybe the enemy was trying to tell me, you know, um, that I was a terrible mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's why God wouldn't let me have more kids or, um, gosh, I had a whole list. I, I had a whole list that of course my brain is going to go dead now. Um, but just a lot of that negative self-talk, um, that it's, really had no basis in reality, you right. know, it's so interesting how our, how our brains, our emotions will go there. Yeah. So negatively, even about ourselves, you know, even if we intellectually know it's not true as a believer, yeah. it's so hard in seasons of loss to get our head and our hearts to align with each other. And I think that's, it's, it's healthy for us to hear that Jenny, because I think people can live in shame thinking, I'm having these negative thoughts. It must be me. God must be mad at me. So to, to bring those even thoughts, emotions out into the light. And, and like you said, to identify, even if you can't list them all right now, what happened was you were able to say, wait a minute, that's a lie. Recognize those lies and begin to kind of tackle each one of those. Let's just say, for example, this idea of, well, God must be mad at me. He's punishing me. What helped you to move beyond that lie and start really believe the truth of God's character again? Yeah, um, of course, I don't know the verse, which which exact verse it is, but it's the verse about, um, you know, God doesn't punish us for like in the way that we deserve. Um, And that was one that I taped to my cupboard door. And every time I opened the cupboard, you know, and I, I started keeping track of verses that I, that stood out to me in that season that were, that felt really relevant. Um, And I started making a list or post, you know, putting them up on my cupboards or in a notebook or whatever. Um, But that one still stands out to me as the one that was like, wow, like we do, we're sinners all the time, you know, and God doesn't punish us according to um, what we deserve. And so that was really helpful in that season for me to remember. Also, um, I remember talking with my pastor about, about what, what we're talking about, about how I just felt so guilty and that I must've done something wrong. And I just, I felt so much, I felt shame for a number of reasons. Um, you know, my body's supposed to be able to do this. I'm supposed to be able to have kids. Um, you know, did I do something wrong in my pregnancy? Um, it's almost, there's almost this feeling of embarrassment, um, that I felt anyways, just around, I felt like everyone was kind of looking at me like, what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And that's probably not actually true, but that's how it felt. Anyways. Um, I remember my pastor telling me, you know, you don't have control over what happens. You just don't, you don't like you did all the right things, you know, you did nothing wrong in your pregnancy and you still just don't have control. Um, and so that also gave me peace. I could have, I mean, I did do all the right things. Um, and I think that's what was so hard in my subsequent pregnancy was that I knew that I didn't have control. Um, but it did kind of lift some of that weight, um, off of me. So in, in both circumstances, um, I didn't have control over Micah's life, even though I would have liked to, um, things would have ended differently if I did. Um, and but Micah, that brought was, me. Micah was your son, the second. Yes. That was my 20 week yeah. loss. Yeah. Um, and so just hearing that from my pastor was really helpful. Um, you know, which I, that's something I know, like yeah, deep down. Right. Actually, yeah. But it's helpful to be able to hear that. And it's helpful for someone else to recognize that and point that out to you. 
Mm, thank you for sharing that, Jenny. I think that's so needed for so many of us to, to hear and to recognize the lies that we can all believe, um, especially when our expectations are not met. And to just, like you said, take that pressure, really, ultimately, we're not in control. You know, we can only control our reactions to things. But boy, when you're walking through such devastation, it's just, you need almost other people to help remind you, listen, you're not in control here. I remember a couple of, maybe a year and a half ago, I had a good friend whose um, uncle passed away of COVID and um, she's, she messaged me and said, you know, our whole family had had it. Maybe I'm the one that gave it to him, you know, all that guilt. And Mm -hmm. she, and finally she said, the Lord said to her, you're not that powerful. Right. And I yeah. mean, it's in a way it's, it's liberating to feel like I'm not going to live the rest of my life feeling like I am going to be under that kind of shame and that kind of, um, bondage of I've got to control everything. And if it didn't go yeah. just right, it's, you know, and to know that God is sovereign is really is a blessing. If we will lean into the fact that it's a blessing, Tom, sometimes the fact that we know he's sovereign makes us angry because we're like, well, you're sovereign. So why couldn't you let this turn out good? What I think is for my good, but the character of God, the sovereignty of God is something that we can rest in and trust in and know, listen, he is in control. He is sovereign. We are not. And take that pressure off of ourselves when things don't line up with our expectations. Jenny, what helped you and your husband to decide to try again and, and have another child? Yeah, well, there were a number of things. Um, Of course, you know, we were praying about it. We looked into adoption. We thought, well, maybe that's it. Um, I, you know, met with several specialists and we had consultations with medical providers, um, which was helpful. Um, You know, and I think sometimes maybe that doesn't sound very good to say uh, or not very Christian, but um, it's very helpful. I mean, like we have these people who we have access to who are experts. And so, so, I mean, that absolutely was helpful for me. Um, I had two really supportive specialists that I met with um, and I ended up choosing one who just felt like a good fit, but you know, I think it was helpful that she understood my background, that she understood my situation, that she did not make light of it. Um, and that ultimately she felt as an expert and as a medical professional, that there was no reason that I shouldn't be able to have another child or have another healthy pregnancy. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there was nothing going on in my body that would say otherwise. And so, you know, we just kind of went through these steps as the months went on. Um, we did have conversations kind of like I mentioned earlier, but then we also had times where we just didn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think we needed probably not only a break from, you know, the constant wondering and the constant trying to plan um, mm. and what are we going to do and where are we going to go from here? Um, but ultimately we knew that we wanted another child and we felt like the risk would be worth it. Mm. Um I was terrified though. (laughs) I mean, I'll say that. So it it didn't make it any less terrifying um, or nerve wracking, but uh, I mean, we didn't feel like God had ever said, don't do this, or this isn't what you should do. Now I did wonder about that as I was going through my next pregnancy. um, But there was never anything that my husband and I agreed on that seemed, you know, like a red flag or this isn't the direction we're supposed to take. That's good because you were listening to each other. You were listening to the outside council of great experts. You were listening to the Holy spirit. 
I mean, what more can we do, you know, but to right. say, I, I'm going to do the best I can. That's up to me. And the rest is up to God, you know, and, and I want to just stay on that for a second. So you've had a pastor that spoke great life and encouragement over you. You, you know, you've had experts. I'm sure you had friends, you had your husband. And yet I know Jenny, that there are people who mean well, and they do not say, they just don't say what we need to hear in seasons of loss. So what, what would be one thing that you would say to us to say, listen, if someone, you know, has experienced loss, especially after pregnancy, whether it's early on, whether you knew about it or, you know, what, how far they were, what would you tell us so that we can be more sensitive and more in tune with the needs of, of others that are going through painful seasons? Yeah, I think the number one thing is to refrain from using platitudes, which there's all kinds of those. Um, like the you one know. you said earlier, well, at least you have. Definitely for those who have, yeah, um, who have children, there's no need to point out mm-hmm. that they already have children. It doesn't make the loss less hurtful. Yeah. Um, but, you know, God has a plan, which I always feel a little bit funny saying, um, because I do think God has a plan. However, I think timing is important. And I think that, um, almost just brushes aside the hurt, um, from, you know, from loss experiences, um, God needed another angel. Yeah. No, (laughs) I think like, that's my number one. No, don't say that. Um, and then or all things work together for good, which we know they do, but yeah, it's not helpful. It's not the time to say that. right? Right. And I think just, I mean, anything that starts with at least, at least you're young, at least you can get pregnant, at least you have a child, um, at least you can try again, at least there is adoption. Um, So, I mean, never start anything with at least, but those are a few of the ones that I heard. I've never thought about that, but when we do, we really minimize the validity of what you were feeling and this experience that you were having at least sometimes somehow like I said, just minimizes the, the, the full weight of what you are carrying. So thank you for sharing that. That was, that was insightful for me. (laughs) Like, let's just take that phrase. (laughs) No, at least. Yeah. And I think it's hard. Yeah. People, I, I, I just had something I was going to say. So hopefully I'm sorry, I interrupted my, my blubbering. It was such a light bulb moment for me when you said that I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm sure I've done that. I'm sure. Well, I've and that's it. the thing too. I mean, through all of this, I have really learned, you know, certain aspects of grace. And yeah. I, I mean, even now I still struggle when, when people are telling, I mean, I hear about loss all the time, pregnancy loss and pregnancy after loss, whether it's through communities online or, um, in person, church friends. Um, and even now, you know, I struggle because our, we do like our natural reaction is to say something to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And there just isn't anything. Um, and so anyways, I've had to learn, it's just been a natural learning process of learning to give people grace, um, for things that, they, they either don't know better or it isn't meant to be hurtful. I know that even after loss prior to loss for sure, but after loss, I've said things that just came out, you know, that it it wasn't helpful, but, um, for some reason it's just a natural reaction or a natural response. And so, um, anyways, I will be able to give people grace when they give me a platitude. Um, but it might take me a little while. 
Well, that's good for us to, if you're someone who's experienced loss, then we can glean that from you, Jenny, that we still need to be able to give grace, which is hard in the middle of our pain, but people just don't always say the right thing or at the right time, or they say nothing. I've, I've heard over and over people just feel ignored because someone doesn't know what to say. So they just kind of leave you alone. And so I always think it's better to say something rather than nothing. Um, you know, just my personal experience in church at the time, um, I felt very ignored. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, that wasn't necessarily anyone's fault. It wasn't necessarily my fault. Um, I think we, you know, neither of us, me and those who I went to church with knew kind of how to respond. And so, um, I remember there were two times at church where, you know, one time a woman came and hugged me and just said, I've been thinking about you. It took me a while to go back to church after we lost Micah. It was just, I mean, I was just constantly crying mm-hmm. um, and I didn't want to show up in public yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, and then there was another time where a man gave me a hug as well. And, you know, he was just, just this gentle man. Um, so it was interesting. Oh. That was an interesting experience, but overall I felt ignored and, I felt like people were afraid to bring it up. They knew what we were going through and how hard it was, you know, and yet the only conversation made would be about the weather or something. Um, And I know that that's hard and nobody knows what to say and they don't, they feel like they're going to upset you. Um, I guess I was in a place where I partly wanted to be ignored because I knew that it would be emotional. Sure. You know, anytime someone said something about loss or brought it up or how are you doing, I became emotional, which is totally normal. Sure. Um, so part of me wanted no one to ask, but then part of me really just wanted to be seen and loved. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we struggle. Like we struggle to do that for people um, because it is hard to bring up hard topics. Yeah, It makes us uncomfortable, especially when we haven't been through it. We don't want to do more harm, but I can almost guarantee um, that those of us who are going through a grief filled experience or who have lost a baby want to be asked, how are you doing Mm. Um, at the very least? That's so helpful. How are you doing? What do you need? Is there anything that I can do for you? Or just like today, I texted a friend and just, she lost her mom a few months ago. Mm. And I thought, here we are going into the summer. It's the year of firsts. It's the first summer. I just said, I'm thinking about you today and I know how much you must miss your mom and wrote back and said, you're absolutely right. I do so, so much. And thank you for thinking of me. So sometimes, and I think those check-ins, yeah, Yeah. I totally believe in the power of a check-in. Um, I mean, we can do things like show up with a meal or, you know, provide childcare if we have other children, um, you know, there's those tangible things like action, you know, with our hands that we can do. Um, But I think a check-in is so powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. I've experienced that myself. And as I've gone through this journey, I've gotten better at that and have always heard and gotten the response, you know, thank you so much for checking in, or I have felt so forgotten. Um, You know, a text message, it it really is sometimes all it takes just the same thinking about you. And I mean, as much as you've been through Jenny and I hate it for you, but it's so compelling to me to hear the compassion you have for others, the understanding you have for others who are going through loss or grief, just everything you're talking about. Listen, let's say this, let's be more mindful of this. Let's check in. Let's not use at least sentences. I mean, (laughs) you really are, you're able to have such a vantage point of compassion 
for women, from men whose spouses have gone through loss, they feel so incredibly helpless. I know when I was going in th- through infertility, I, my husband was just felt so helpless. Yep. You know, like you said, other people are having babies and you just see all that. I, and I know we need to wrap up in a few minutes, but I want to just ask you, how did you find joy, Jenny? Because you talked about like, you, you didn't want to go to church. You, you know, you're going to cry very easily and you've been traumatized and you're grieving. So for someone who's feeling like, how do I get from that place to a place of joy, whether it's during their pregnancy, like you experience this fourth pregnancy, you know, while they're still grieving, help us to know how to hold that tension well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, it's good to know that we can grieve, that nothing is wrong with grief, that it's a normal reaction. Um, and that we don't have to feel pressured to you know, have this terrible experience. And then a week later, just be back to normal. Um, that's just not how it works. So, I mean, I will say that it took me a long time to get to a place where I could even, you know, kind of feel joy or feel happy. I, I felt, um, like I was in a very dark place for a long time. I think there's a couple things that helped me, um, after we lost Micah, you know, eventually I started keeping a gratitude journal, um, and I, I always feel weird saying that too, just because I feel like that sounds like just find things that you're thankful for and it, everything will be okay. Um, but it did help me to focus on, on, on good things. On and often they weren't big things. It yeah. was sometimes it was the sun is shining or there was a beautiful sunset. Um, yeah. you know, these are things that are reminders of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so little things throughout the day, I would keep track of three things that I was thankful for. They weren't ever any, you know, major events. So that was helpful. And I think also eventually returning to a routine um, was helpful for me too, because it was really easy for me to stay isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of who I am by nature anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to kind of get back into a routine, whether that was, you know, I'm going to go to the gym on these days a week, or I'm going to meet up with a friend on these days a week. Um I was a stay-at-home mom at the time, which is also isolating um, in its own way. And so that presented its own challenges. But I think those were two things that really helped me during the grief season. Um, And then when I was pregnant after loss, that was also a difficult time to find joy because I was so caught up in the what ifs, Um, you know, what if something goes wrong again, there was a lot of anxiety. Um, but I do think it's possible to find it, even if it's moment by moment, um, and really just celebrate those small moments and give yourself permission to celebrate. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, we feel like we don't have that permission. We feel like we um, shouldn't celebrate something that isn't like at the end yet, or that isn't quite there yet. Um, mm-hmm. It almost feels foolish to celebrate a baby that you aren't sure if you're going to bring that baby home. Um, so I think just, you know, celebrating the pregnancy test, the positive pregnancy test, Mm -hmm. celebrating that first, um, doctor's appointment in which you get good news, you know, and then as you move through celebrating, when you feel movements, celebrating, when you make it past, um, the point of when you experience loss. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's an, um, overwhelming. I'm just happy all the time kind of joy, but I think it's an intentional, seeking joy, um, in the, in the small moments. Mm, That's really powerful. And that's something that we can all do, whether we've, whatever kind of loss we've been through is the gratitude journal is so good. The, 
getting back into a routine of some kind and getting those grooves, re, new, you know, new neural pathways, new thought processes, and uh, just these kind of practical steps. You know, you and I were talking earlier. I love um, the book, What If It's Wonderful by Nicole Sazowski. She's been here on the show too and, and uh, went through a similar um, experience and just that sense of hope feeling so indulgent. But moving from that place to a friend of hers said, but what if it's wonderful? Like, what if it can be a good thing as well? And to realize, right. hey, I'm, I am worth celebrating. Life is worth celebrating. Right. These moments are worth celebrating. I think we do. We push off celebration. We push off joy. My first Bible study is finding joy when life is out of focus. It's about the book of Philippians. And I think what we do, Jenny, is we don't, maybe we don't even consciously realize it, but we push joy off. Like I will have joy when this right. happens. And if yes. it happens and if yep. joy just gets further and further and further away, it's, you know, and we make it this kind of tandem, tan, uh, you know, inanimate, inanimate object that we're going to land on rather than like you mm-hmm. said, it's an intentional choice each and every day. I can be grateful. I can embrace gratitude. I can be intentional about finding moments that I can celebrate and don't push it off. Don't, yeah. none of us are promised tomorrow anyway. So let's celebrate what we have while we have it. And I love that you balance the emotional honesty, vulnerability that you've approached this book with sharing your story and devotions, but you're also giving us really practical stakes in the ground, Jenny, because grief and loss is, can feel so overwhelming. It feels like a big fog. So we need stakes in the ground. We need like, I can do this today. Right. So if you're listening and you're going through any kind of loss or grief, especially loss of pregnancy, number one, go back and listen to this podcast, write some of these stakes in the ground, you know, begin to practice some of these practices that Jenny has implemented and moved her from a place of deep loss and grief to a place of, of really relishing life. Not that we negate or minimize anything that we've been through. We honor that as well as we honor the present and we honor what God is doing in our lives now and go get a copy of courageously expecting. So Jenny, where it's been out for a few months now. So where would you like for them to go to find out more about you and to get their own copy? Yeah, well, you can buy a copy of courageously expecting anywhere books are sold. Um, you can find me at jennyalbers.com or um, on Instagram and Facebook at Jenny Albers author. Um, yeah. And I would love to connect with you. And it's J-E-N-N-Y and I'll put everything in my show notes yes. too. <laughs> and Jenny's going to pray for us in just a moment. And she's going to share today's truth that matters, a scripture that really has meant a lot to her um, through walking through the loss and the grief that she has experienced and, and emerged as a voice in our generation, not only to make life matter for the kingdom, but to literally make life matter and to value the gift that life is when it is lost when it is here, every life is worth celebrating. So Jenny, I'm so grateful for your voice and the way you're making your life matter for the kingdom. But I want to know, I ask every guest other than Jesus, who in the Bible inspires you to make life matter? Maybe a character, a person you can't wait to meet or someone you want to ask a question of. Yeah, I suppose my answer could change um, based on the day, but today I'm going to say Esther. Uh, um, and, you know, something I've been going through the book of Esther recently, which is why she stands up to me right now. Um, but I think it's so important to remember, and it's been important for me to learn about her, um, 
that she did not choose her circumstances. She did not ask to be where she was. Um, She didn't want that. And yet she was able to use those circumstances um, for the good of her people and for the good of God's people. And God was able to use where she was in life Mm -hmm. um, for his good plans that she would have never even, those weren't even on her radar. Mm -hmm. And so that's what stands out to me in Esther's um, life. And I I just really want to remember that she did not ask to be where she was. And yet Mm -hmm. she has such a powerful story. She does. And we have the benefit of hindsight, right? We have the benefit of reading these stories and knowing how they ended. But when we're walking through our own story, remembering that although it might not have been what we would have chosen, God can use anything for his glory. And that's when we know that all things work together for good. It's not that they necessarily are good or they feel good, but God can use them for good in our lives. Like Joseph, another example of saying, look, you meant this to hurt me. I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat this. He says you meant to cause me evil. We're not saying God would ever mean to cause us evil, but he was saying to his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God intended to send me ahead, not only for my deliverance, but for the deliverance of many. And so what I love Jenny is not only that you have pushed through to this place of courageously expecting for yourself to live in this place of expectancy in God, but now you're becoming a voice that encourages others to do that same thing and a landing place for so many women going through loss and grief. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Not only for sharing your voice today, but just continuing to let God use you share today's truth. That matters. You shared a verse with me earlier. It's Micah seven verse eight, share that with us and why that has meant so much to you. Yeah. So, um, what, our baby who was born at 20 weeks, we named Micah. Um, and I really hadn't ever explored the book of Micah until that time. Um, and there was so much, so much goodness in that book. Um, but this verse says, though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Mm. And I really just clung to that verse. Um, you know, that I, and this applies to just anytime there's so much darkness, whether just in the world at large or our personal lives. Um, and I think we forget, I think we forget that there's more. I think we forget that Jesus has already conquered all of, all of the awfulness that we experience. Um, and I just, that was a verse that meant so much to me, Mm. um, during the dark seasons of my life. Mm. Thank you, Jenny. I love the word. We talk about grounding our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. And you mentioned the narrative that we can get into our minds can play terrible tricks on us and the enemy does as well. We get in these lies of shame and, and, uh, so much doubt and in even beginning to doubt God and doubting his goodness. So you've reminded us today ways to get out of those kind of spirals when loss and grief uninvited, uh, visit our door. Like you said, we don't always have control over these choices, but we do have control over the way we're going to walk through them. Let yourself grieve, let yourself experience what you're feeling, but let God be your light in the middle of those places. So Thank you again, guys. Be sure to check out Jenny Albers, J-E-N-N-Y. Get a copy of Courageously Expecting. Whether you've been through loss yourself, whether you want to share this book with someone, or if you're a leader like myself and my husband who pastor, maybe you're a leader of a small group, you want to have a, a copy of this on hand and be ready, you know, look through it, be ready, read some of the devotionals. You'll know exactly the pulse point that Jenny is able to speak from. And it's going to give you language. It's going to give us greater sensitivity to come alongside people experiencing loss. So 
Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you for sharing your time with us. We are so grateful. And I would love for you to just pray over our listeners as we end our time together. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. And yep. Absolutely. God, thank you so much for this time to connect and to talk about you and our lives and how the two are intertwined. Um, I thank you that you are able to use all of our circumstances for good and that you are able to use them to help us grow spiritually. I pray for those who have experienced pregnancy loss, especially, um, as well as those who are going through a pregnancy after loss. God, I pray that you would bring peace and healing, that you would help them to trust that you have something better even when that seems impossible, I pray that you would help um, the church and those around these people to serve these women um, and to do uh, more good than harm and to say um, things that are not hurtful, but are instead helpful. Um, And I pray that um, these women um, and also those who are grieving, anyone who is grieving, that they would know your deep love and are know, and would know that you are right there with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.